we can't talk to him on video, but we can pray for him, right? So let's take a minute and just pray for, for Terry and all those serving right now over um, across these. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the freedom that we have in this country. How blessed we are to be able to get up and talk about you and, and your love, the salvation you, you give us and bring to us, to be able to pray freely like this on a Sabbath morning or any time in our lives here. I pray, Lord, for all of those who are serving our country right now overseas, those who serve them here domestically and all over the world. We pray that you'd bless them and their families. And, Lord, we pray also especially for Terry right now. Thank you for his courage, his love for you, his love for country. I pray that you would bless him as he ministers to men and women out there in Iraq. I pray that you would give him strength and courage, wisdom and discernment as he counsels and speaks for you. And Lord, I pray for Sandy and the family and the boys as well. As it's been a long time with husband and dad gone, we pray that you'll bring them back safely and soon. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Also, just as a let you know, beginning today, our prayer team is going to be available after every worship service, um, after first and second service. If anybody would like to just pray with somebody, there'll be someone down here in the front or in the back where the couch is. And, uh, you know, we can go days, months, years maybe without even praying with somebody sometimes. And so there's an opportunity on Sabbath to pray with somebody if you'd like to. Um, maybe a special request or even just to praise God. Whatever you like, there will be somebody here all the time to pray with you following the service as well. Well, God is good. And all the time? All right. It's, uh, it's neat. I, I get little messages, little notes from parents every once in a while about their children that remind them about God being good. And sometimes I had one couple uh, on Facebook say, you know, um, whenever we're, I'm in a conversation with my husband and we say something like the phrase all the time, our little boy goes, God is good. <laughs> and then they have to say all the time. And then he goes, all the time, God is good. We have to be reminded of that. But God is good all the time. In spite of what life brings us, he is always always good. Well, today, today's passage is going to seem like a repeat, sort of. You ever, you ever watch, maybe you have a favorite TV show, and it comes on, and like, in about 30 seconds, you go, wait, I think I've seen this one. This one looks familiar. Our passage today in John chapter 21 sounds a little familiar, and as we get to that passage, you're going to see that the disciples are fishing again, and, and Jesus talks to them about fishing again, and it's going to sound a lot like a story that we came across in the book of Luke, chapter 5, when Jesus called Peter and James and John to follow him and to be fishers of men. But this time, he teaches them about fishing after his resurrection and after they've been walking with him for a few years. But if I were to ask you... Maybe what was a very significant time in your life? Was there, was there something that happened in your life that was very significant? It could be when you got married. It could be when you graduated. It could be I don't know what. But there's something all of us have in our life that was very significant, something that happened to us. And then what was your life like after that? Or what is it, has it been like after that? I, I'm asking you that because I want you to understand a little bit of where the disciples are. The disciples are now living with Jesus being resurrected from the dead. It's a week later 
And Jesus has manifested himself, John says, a couple of times to the disciples already. So to a Jew, when you talk about resurrection, that's supposed to be kind of end of time, something that happens maybe in Jerusalem where Messiah is going to have his throne, and Jesus has now been resurrected from the dead, but it still seems like life is normal a little bit. They're still under the oppression of the Romans. They're hiding for their lives. And Jesus kind of keeps showing up in rooms where they've locked the doors. It's a little strange. I like how Luke describes kind of where they're at in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 41. It says, And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And then listen to this. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. Does that give you a little bit of sense into their heads and their hearts? They had this joy that their master was now conquered the grave, but yet they were still disbelieving and still wondering. That might resemble our journeys a little bit. We have this joy of knowing Jesus, but there's moments of disbelieving and wondering. What, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? And so here the disciples are are in this position of still wondering and disbelieving, but they have this joy. And I want to I catch us up to speed a little bit of what's happening with these manifestations before we get into chapter 21. In chapter 20, we're not going to put it on the screen for you because I want you just to listen, if you will, as Uncle John just reads to you, okay, from the book of John. Beginning in 19 of chapter 20, it says, When it was evening on that day, the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, mm -mm, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. John then finishes out this chapter saying, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. And so we find ourselves now. The disciples have experienced Jesus in his resurrected state, wondering and disbelieving, but yet full of joy. And so chapter 21, John writes, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee, and he showed himself in this way. 
Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. We're going to put up the next verse for you here in the New American Standard Bible. Simon Peter said to them, yeah, this screen, I guess I'm not going to look back there. What did he, Simon Peter said these deeply profound, profound theological words. What did Peter say? I'm going fishing. <laughs> this stuff is messing with my head too much. I don't know what's going on in, with, with Jesus. I'm not sure what he wants us to do. He shows up and then he leaves. I'm going fishing. What's that saying? When the going gets tough, the tough go. <laughs> yes, the women say shopping, the men say fishing, right? Peter just says, I'm going fishing. And then the other disciples say, we will also come with you. And they went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught how much? Nothing. Sound familiar? Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. The disciples have been fishing all night, caught nothing. They bring the boats up to shore. They're taking care of their nets and whatnot. And Jesus is preaching. It's a crowd. So he asks if he can get in the boat. They go into the boat. And then after he's done teaching, he, he says, let's push out to sea and get a catch of fish. And they say, no, 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 no. We haven't caught anything on. We're not going back out there. And Jesus says, no, let's go. And they go out and they catch so much fish that it tears the nets and the boats begin to sink. And then he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. Well, now Jesus is resurrected. The disciples are going fishing. But let me suggest to you that they're not just drifting. They're actually living obedient, in obedience to Jesus. Because Jesus had told them before, I will, I will be in Galilee. I will go before you to Galilee after I am resurrected. So they knew they were supposed to meet there. And so the disciples were, in a sense, waiting for Jesus to show up again. They were being obedient. But what do you do when you hang out in Galilee and you're a fisherman? You go fishing. And so they went fishing. In verse 4 it says, But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. We have a picture I want to show you of Galilee at sunrise. <clears throat> Imagine being there. Imagine being there and the sun is just starting to rise. It's calm beautiful, and yet in your heart and your mind, you're still, you have this joy, but you're disbelieving and wondering as, as you've gone fishing. But the sun's starting to rise, and you still don't have one fish. And there's somebody standing on the shore, and it's Jesus, but you don't recognize him. So Jesus said to them, children, or we might say, he, like, boys, this was a common word, the friendship. Hey, boys, lads, <laughs> you do not have any fish, do you? That's got to be the worst question to ask a fisherman. <laughs> Fishing all night, you don't have one thing. Now, the text further down is going to tell us that they were about 100 yards out. So it wasn't like this, hey, you don't have any fish, do you? <laughs> hey, hey, guys, no fish, huh? Ugh. <laughs> oh. Always the wise guy on the beach, you know, that wants to point out. No fish, huh? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. 
So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. That verse has always stumped me since I was a kid. Why on earth would you put your clothes on to jump into the water? And yet Peter did. Peter were always doing things that we're trying to figure out. But some think that it was because when he recognized that it was the Lord, he didn't want to just go up there in the buff. He wanted to be respectful and be with Jesus and be covered properly. And so what do I do? I'll put it on and I'll just kind of dive in. And I don't care. I want to be with Jesus. And so he dives in and he swims to shore and he goes to see Jesus. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards, dragging the net full of fish. I could just hear the disciples. There goes Peter again. Leaving us to do the work, because he wants to be with Jesus. He goes on, and we'll have to bring this thing in. But I want you to think of something here. I'm going to go on to the next verse. When they got on the land, they saw a... What does it say? A charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Now remember that Peter got there first. Disciples were still bringing in the the fish. About 300 pounds worth of fish they're bringing to shore. And Peter comes. He's excited to see his Lord. He's swimming in his clothes. He gets up on the beach And there's Jesus before him, the resurrected Lord, and a charcoal fire. Now here's a trivia question for you. If you were here in first service, you can't answer this. Any idea where else in Scripture? There's only one other place in Scripture. And I think I see Dr. Pauline. You can't answer this one either, okay? (laughs) There's only one other place in Scripture where this charcoal fire, this word is used. Any guesses? Any ideas? Huh? I heard it somewhere over here. Peter was standing by a charcoal fire the night he, de- he denied Jesus. That's the only other place this word is used. And John uses it in John chapter 18, that Peter was warming himself by this charcoal fire. So imagine you're Peter. You swim, you got your clothes on, you just want to be next to Jesus again, and you get up there, and Jesus is standing next to a charcoal fire. There's probably this joy and yet this, oh no. Are we going to have to talk about this? (laughs) One of the things I love about Jesus, John also writes in John chapter 1 that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And so there's Jesus, full of grace and truth. Next to the charcoal fire. Peter, we're going to live in truth here, but I'm also full of grace. And the difference between the fire in John 18 and the fire here is that the fire here had fish and bread on it. Jesus was inviting him to be restored and to be with him, to be part of him. It wasn't a fire of condemnation. It wasn't a fire of, I told you so. It was a fire of, be with me. I know what you've done, and I've forgiven you. Be with me. 
We're going to go on in a couple of weeks to talk about the rest of the chapter when Jesus and Peter take a walk on the beach and have a conversation together. But there's Peter alone with Jesus before the other disciples get there. And the other disciples finally come to shore and they have the fish. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you now have caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of large fish, 153 fish. There's a trivia fact that you could always tuck back. How many fish are they? 153 fish. We don't really know why. There's all kinds of theories about why there's this number. But basically, I think it's one of those fish stories. You know, It's like, you know how many fish we caught that day with Jesus? 153 fish. No, yes, 153 fish. No. Proof that there was an eyewitness account that we were there. Jesus was there, and we caught these fish. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him. Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. And this is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. John is stressing to us that the resurrected Lord manifests himself over and over again. And that there is nothing. Jesus is not limited to space and time. He's not limited to locked doorways. He's not limited to anything to be with us. And that he longs to manifest himself to us in different ways. Even as we're just going about our business, even if we're just going fishing, Jesus shows up. Even if I'm just going to work, Jesus shows up. Even if I'm just working around the house, even if I'm just going out with some friends, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, manifests himself to us. And he longs to do that. And as he manifests himself to us, he longs to continue to draw us into being restored with him. It's not a presence of condemnation, but reconciliation. And interestingly enough, he also invites us to be a vessel through whom he also manifests himself to those that we're in relationships with him. There's an interesting word here that is used in verse 11. It says, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land. And that word drew is the same word that Jesus used when he said, if the Son of Man be lifted up, he will what? Draw all men to himself. And that no one can come to him unless the Father draws him to Jesus. You see, God invites us into this drawing in process. Did, did Jesus need their catch of fish? He already had fish on the fire. He can provide whatever food he wants. So why did he give him such a large cast of fish? Because he was teaching them, as he had been all along, to show them that I want you to work with me in catching people for the kingdom. I don't need you to do it, but I want you to do it. I want you through a restoring relationship with me of allowing myself to constantly manifest myself to you and my love for you to be also someone in which I can draw people to me and manifest myself to them so they might know how much I love them and who I am. About 15 years ago, I did something a lot that I don't do much of anymore. It's called surfing. 
And uh, I have two boards still in the garage, but I'm a little further from the water, so it's a little tougher to get there. Not to mention I'm about 30 pounds heavier, but we won't talk about that. You just buy bigger boards. That's the trick, right? So about 15 years ago, I was practicing a spiritual discipline of surfing almost every day if I could. And I would go out early in the morning before the sun, as the sun was coming up, I would go out. There was a place that I, it was like religious for me. It was a place called Pipes, and it was in Cardiff by the sea. Wonderful reef breaks. And I would go out, and being a youth pastor at that time, that was the culture. So I would go surfing with kids before school. I'd go surfing with kids after school. In youth ministry, we call it this. We have a theological name for it. It's holy hanging out. That's what we did. A lot of holy hanging out. That's what youth ministry is. That's what ministry is. And so I'd go out. There was this one morning, and I was committed to going out no matter what. No matter how big, no matter how small, I was going to go out. There was one morning I went. It's a beautiful morning. It looked something like the picture we're going to put up here, where it was just this, the sun was just coming up. The water just had that beautiful glass to it because there were no waves. <laughs> we would call it, when it was flat, we would call it Lake Pacific. It's just Lake Pacific today. But it looked like that. It was just calming and still. The sun was just starting to come up. I had my board. I walked down this trail, and I looked out there, and I'm like, do I really want to go out today? Do I really want to just, oh, is it even worth getting wet? And I said, I'm going out. I'm committed to going out. And there were about four guys out there, been out there for a while, and it was obvious that they, there hadn't been any waves. And so you could hear them. It was so quiet because there was no roar of the water. So you could hear them way out there talking about, oh, this is a waste of time, let's go in. And so they started paddling in. I thought, well, I'm going to go out. So I started paddling out. And, of course, they're making wisecracks at me as I'm going, like, oh, going to get the big one today, huh? You know, like, yeah, I'm just going to go. And paddled out there. And I'm sitting out there, just looking around, having a nice, quiet moment, talking to God, thinking about maybe what, what me and God are up to and and so then I looked around at shore because it was more exciting looking back at the beach than out where nothing was happening. And uh, all of a sudden I noticed their voices started to pick up. And I'm like listening, trying to catch what they're saying. And then they're looking out at me more. And then their voices are getting louder. And I'm like, oh great, is there a shark behind me? Or what's going on? <laughs> and, I, and I looked back and it was a miracle. It was a wave. And it wasn't, it wasn't ankle slappers, you know, that were kind of coming in. It was like head high. Beautiful, beautiful gift of grace that was just coming my way. And it, it, it was just this perfect A-shaped, just rolling in, starting to hit the reef. And I, and, I, and I looked, I said, I better get ready for this thing. So I turned around, and I got ready for it, and I took this wave. And then you could hear the guys starting to rumble. Like, should we go back out? You know, and I'm praying, no, Lord, don't let him come back out. These are my waves. I want these. A little selfish. God's still working with that one. So I paddled back out, and I'm just, I'm just in heaven. All by myself. The guys leave. I'm all by myself, just wave after wave, and I'm just rejoicing. I'm worshiping. I'm like, God is good all the time. And finally, this lady paddles out. This lady comes out. And she takes one, and I take, we, and then we start talking. Like, can you believe this is happening? She goes, how long has this started? I go, it just, it just started. Came there was nothing in the forecast for any surf. 
And so we start talking, and, and finally I was like, you know, I better get going. I need to get into work. And she goes, oh, what do you do for a living? I always love when I'm asked that question because you get so many different reactions. You either get, oh, cool, or oh. <laughs> you know, don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> what do you do for a living? I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And she goes, oh, really? And she goes, where do you pastor? I said, I'm over in Escondido at the Seventh Adventist Church. And she goes, oh. She goes, I used to be a Seventh Day Adventist. And I was like, really? And then I began to see what God was up to. God was starting to serve up some breakfast that morning. He was keeping me satisfied, keeping me in the water. I was just going about my business. I was just going to go surfing no matter what. Went out there, and God starts serving it up because he knew Mary was coming. And we started talking. And she started sharing some of the things of why she left the Adventist church. And we talked about it. Come to find out, she had also gone to a church that the secretary at that time was a member of, and they knew each other, but hadn't talked in years. And so we started talking some more. Now, I would like to tell you that by the time I was done surfing, she became a member of our church again, and she was all in there. And, but I will tell you is that we, had, we feasted on Jesus that morning. And we feasted on how good he is. And that no matter how people hurt us and p things that people say to us, it doesn't stop the way God loves us and wants us to be with him. And eventually I had to leave, and she was out there enjoying them by herself. But we met each other again and again. And we had that connection that God was doing something. God was up to something. Now, I don't know what your day-to-day -day life holds. I don't know what you do on Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what you do at Thursday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But I will tell you, no matter where you're at, Jesus desires to manifest himself. And he's always wanting to reveal himself in a way that will continue to remind us that he loves us and he wants fellowship with us and he wants to manifest himself to us and through us every single day of our lives because he is our resurrected Lord and nothing can stop him from being with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you rose from the dead. And while we still can't wrap our minds around that or our hearts, and sometimes we're filled with wonder and disbelief at the same time and joy altogether, thank you that you continue to manifest yourself. You continue to show yourself to us. Give us the grace to be aware and to be looking for you, that we won't get so busy that we don't even have time to be aware. Lord, may there be times with you, maybe symbolically or even literally, of being on the beach together. May there be times in our life where we just get aside with you and be still with you. May those times not feel like we're wasting time, like there's more important things to do. And Lord, thank you that we also get to be a vessel in which you can manifest yourself through to draw all people to yourself. What a wonderful life. What a wonderful gift you are to us. Take a moment now in silent prayer and just allow Jesus through his spirit to manifest himself to you this morning. As we go this week, 
Let's look for Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, our Lord and our King, to manifest himself to us. And it might be somewhere as just normal as going to work, driving in the car, sitting down at home, relaxing, being with friends, but he is there. And nothing can stop him from wanting to be in our lives, to manifest himself to us and through us every single day of our lives. God bless you.